Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. live on Joy 94.9 Saturday afternoon from noon via the live stream at joy.org.au forward slash listen live or tune your wireless in Melbourne to 94.9 FM. Techno Gaze, the show where we gaze into the world of consumer electronics, gadgets, and technology. And we plug in. We do plug in. To the nets. We, we dance. <laughs> really? I don't think we do. Yes, we do. I think we do. Come on, Jason, you just did a bit, a bit of a jig before. That's not, that's, that was not for public consumption. <laughs> we, um, this is off to a good start. Yeah, yeah. So uh, with me in the studio today, of course, my name is Mark. With me here today is Michael. Hello. And a voice who well, hasn't been heard for a couple of weeks now, but he's back. <laughs> wow. Everyone will have really missed me. <laughs> it's been a whole two weeks. Was it two weeks? No. no. It's been about a month. About a month. Yeah. Of course, uh, Jason, all the way from Sydney. Flown in especially. It is, kind of, right. it is kind of funny the way you stumble over the word Sydney as well. He's from... Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have anything wrong, uh, any problem with Sydney people. Some of my, my best friends are from Sydney. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Precisely. Uh, so we'll be covering some of the latest in technology, including... Um, <laughs> we're going to talk a little bit about 3D printing. Yes. No, actually, we're not. I'm looking <laughs> That's the gag because Michael's here. We're going to talk a little bit about net neutrality. We're going to talk a little bit about the Bitcoin casino. And uh, there may be a discussion about, but not a live demonstration of sex with class. At least I'm hoping there's no live demonstration. And somebody's turned 30. Really? Yes. Oh, yes. Well, something. Not something. Uh, the Apple Mac turned 30. Uh, technically, it is today that it's turned 30 because it's still the the, tw- uh, the 24th in the US. Wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. Because that's, that's right. where it was designed as opposed to made. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> is, it cup, not... is it Cupertino or Cupertino? Cupertino, isn't it? I've, I've always assumed it's Cupertino. Should, have we told everyone what we're talking about? The fact that the Mac has turned 30? Yes, yeah, yes. No, we did, did we actually we say that? Because it did sound like we glossed over it. <laughs> That's by the by. And of course, yeah, the Mac turning 30 is, is um, a significant thing because it was one of the first... Well, the Apple IIe was really the first personal computer uh, sort of mass-marketed. Uh, but the, the 1984 um, ad that was released as part of the introduction for the Mac was a, was a big thing. 
for the time, and uh, was the Apple Mac itself was considered Steve Jobs's baby, and he's you know really the the driving force behind the design of that computer. So mm. significant, yes. Considering that at one stage nobody thought Apple might even survive. Mm. And of course, speaking of significance, uh, yes, uh, you mentioned before net neutrality um, makes mention or has, has hit the news this week. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Uh, um, and, and net neutrality often being a, a US-based thing. Like, it's not so much a, an issue for, for here in Australia, but, you know, there's always repercussions. So Yeah, I think there's a, there's, a, there's a big chance that it will become an issue for us in Australia. So it's worth looking at what's happened in the US. Mm. Well, shall we, um, shall we kick on then? So um, to, to start off with, we thought we'd... Uh, Put together a, like there's these sunglasses, wasn't there? The, 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 there's some new technology around uh, sunglasses that are helping out people who are a little bit uh, maybe colorblind. <laughs> a little bit colorblind. <laughs> a little bit. I, I guess you're either are or you are. No, well, actually, there are different degrees of colorblindness. So there are some people that are more affected by than less right. affected. Yes. And uh, yeah, there's a uh, yet another startup because everybody in this world is a startup these days called Enchroma in the US who um, are using some sort of mathematical formula to help, I don't know whether trick is the right word, or help the brain in understanding the difference between different colours and being able to sense those colours. And uh, they claim that they can boost your ability to identify colours by up to 30% mm. and also give you 70% improvement in colour discrimination. Right. And, you know, there are different people who have uh, different degrees of colour blindness. Some, some have trouble, for instance, identifying differences in traffic light colours. Right. And, you know, this new pair of glasses um, helps you with this. Now, there have been other sunglasses in the past that have used um, different types of filters mm-hmm. to help you identify colours. This one is sort of similar, but it uses up to 100 different layers of filters on the glass right. with different uh, types of opacity to uh, restrict light coming through to help you identify this. And I understand because there's different types of colour blindness, right? So I, I suspect that they could even tailor that to, to individual colour blind needs perhaps potentially if, if yes. that's, that's yeah. required yeah um, now it's not cheap mm. you're looking still at six hundred dollars for a pair of glasses mm. well it's only, it's only a little bit more expensive than uh, my typical. designer sunglasses <laughs> but but prescription glasses for for people of of you know um short or long-sightedness we'll, i mean we'd go to that amount i'm as talking well. to yeah. two people there's, with there's two glasses of us in on. the room with glasses on <laughs> yes that's right Mine is just well, common blindness. Well, so, so I have prescription glasses, but I tend not to get prescription sunglasses. Right. Um, it just feels like too much hassle. Yeah, yeah. And, I, yeah. I, and this is one of the things around these these um, particular sunglasses. They are sunglasses, and perhaps because they do, they need to be used in bright sunlight, bright sunlight yeah. for them to be effective. Right? Yeah, and they don't work in artificial light, so you can't bring it into the office and use that to help you know see the colours better on your computer screen or anything mm-hmm. like that. Oh, it's, oh, it's well, I mean, to... they are sunglasses. Yes. You know? yeah. Mm. But, uh, yeah, no, it's pretty pretty nifty and a good use of the technology to, um, you know, help aid your brain in distinguishing these colour differences. Mm. And passive technology as well. Yes. As in not no. powered. Mm. Mm. No circuits or anything like that. <laughs> no batteries to replace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah how, how bad would that be? You're out, out and about and all of a sudden the battery in your glasses runs out and you can't tell what's what anymore. And you go blind. Yeah. <laughs> this is leading very well into the Google Glass <laughs> discussion we're going to have later on around the sex app, but we'll save that for a f- <laughs> later on. We're in not talking about sex again, are we? I, well, I didn't bring it up, but I think we are. Somebody said no live demonstration. 
I did. <laughs> Mainly because we don't have Google Glass, but... Yeah. Oh, that's but one, of, that's other, one of a number of reasons. There's other reasons. <laughs> <laughs> it would go down so well on radio. Certain licensing issues. And sort of. Anyway, um, no, so uh, another thing that came up this week uh, as well. <laughs> of course, the NSA and the response the US is... is uh, uh, has to what all these revelations that, that spying is occurring and so forth. We, we we talk about this so often. I think we actually need intro music for it. <laughs> what, what that uh, uh, probably that intro the Imperial music. March. Yeah. No. So net, not net neutrality. NSA. Um, the Obama has given another apparently significant speech. When yes, the was Obama this? has. So, sorry, sorry. What what speech was this? And when? Uh, apparently, it's like so, he's he's now responding to the NSA's. Uh, he's actually giving some sort of um, tangible um, response to it, as in this is what we're going to do about these revelations that we've been spying on our own citizens and and citizens outside of the US as well. Um, but I'm not actually sure, like you, Michael, what what was actually said because a lot of the coverage of it has been a bit of ho hum, a bit of oh, what is it all about? You know, the the underlying currents, not necessarily about the speech itself. Having said that, has anyone actually in the studio seen the uh, speech at all? I may have watched it live. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what time was this in the morning? <laughs> it was about four a.m. I had just gotten back from my holidays, so my sleep patterns were still quite messed up and. Uh, I um yeah I I woke up at four a.m. and I looked at Twitter and people were like oh my god Obama's talking about this I'm like sure why not I'll have a look at the live stream of it so are yeah. you some sort of U.S. political junkie? Not I used to be I'm not really but um oh. I was really impressed because when I when I looked at the live stream uh, there were no less than five American flags on the stage behind Obama <laughs> one is not good enough <laughs> but um so he spent a long time talking about the benefits of the uh, the benefits of what they've been doing uh, you know they've been stopping attacks and. You know, finding bad people, and it's the, it's the same rhetoric that we always hear about about the uh, surveillance that's going on from the NSA and you know, all the other US spy agencies. Is that you know, if you if you don't have anything to hide, then you know, there's no problem, and no one will be looking at anything that you're doing and everything. But then, um, so he did announce a few changes, but they were quite limited. Um, previously, previously the. Uh, I'm going to say the NSA. I'm not entirely sure if it is the NSA or not. Had been able to go to a to requisition uh, surveillance records uh, without uh, without a judge's order, mm. and they will now actually require a judge to sign off on things. But there's been a lot of, and as as we started saying in at the start of this segment, we've been heard a lot of people responding to the speech without a lot of discussion about what happened and what was announced in the speech because. Ultimately, it feels like not a lot was announced in the speech. Mm. Uh, it's not really that new to say that the NSA needs to get a, uh, a court order in order to get access to these records. All they really have to do is just you know go around to a judge's place and get him to sign a piece of paper. And you know that, that happens all the time as it is anyway. Yeah, and there's you know particularly in the US, um, there's often criticism of the even the judicial arm of of are they is it a separate arm of the government or are they above or below? I don't know the, the actual there is you know, a separa- the there is a separation between law and government yeah but there is often this this idea because judges are appointed by officials or at least recommended by you know the likes of the president um you know there's always bias this for cozy one arrangement other. yeah yeah and and so you know how do you get that court order signed you go to a judge which is more friendly to the um 
to the, the, the political the leanings of what you're requesting. Yeah. yeah. It will be so much easier when your judges are virtual and you can just send a message to it and it will reply back, yes, approved straight away. <laughs> no? Is, it, is, no? Is, is this actually, uh, does that actually lead into the future that Judge Dredd um, is coming up with? You know, where the, the judges are roaming the streets with guns and just taking the law into their own hands? <laughs> Oh, jeez. No, no, they, they won't be real people. They'll be bots. So, so there's been a lot of response. The tech community doesn't seem very impressed with mm. the changes that Obama has announced. And there's been more companies coming out this week and saying, oh, no, um, the NSA doesn't have access to our servers. Notably, Tim Cook came out and said it again for Apple this week. But we know from other revelations that it doesn't matter if they have access to the servers or not because they're monitoring the traffic. Mm. And so, uh, so unless every single piece of that traffic is totally and utterly encrypted, which, let's be honest, we're talking about Apple here. They can't get iCloud working. What are the chances that everything is encrypted properly? But, but then again, there was this story about RSA a few weeks ago whereby they supposedly handed over their encryption keys or had a backdoor yeah. to allow government agencies to decrypt traffic. So even if it's encrypted, it doesn't yeah. matter. And the RSA CEO said that's absolutely false. Yeah. So who do you believe? But who, who can tell? Yeah. yeah. Hmm. And, and the other, um, Jacob Applebaum made a speech uh, a few weeks ago as well, which we mentioned on the show, um, talking about the plethora of devices that they have to monitor traffic on the way in. So, you know, what's that NSA box that's just sitting outside the Apple data centre? Yeah. That sort of thing that Gosh, who knows? collects the information. <laughs> Do they have a spiffy logo on it? Uh, probably. <laughs> An American flag. Well, not many who will get just has a prism. <laughs> It's got their, yeah, right. It's actually just got like a, a Pink Floyd album cover on it. <laughs> Everyone, everyone's just like, cool, it's Pink Floyd. Let's just put it in the data center. Well, while we're on the topic of the US and stuff that's going on over there, um, in a few moments we'll talk about net neutrality. Um, not really a term that's used here in Australia so much, but definitely something that uh, has, has made it big over there. Uh, the Federal Communications Commission, is that what they're called? FCC, the FCC. Yeah. Um, they uh, they have had a bit of a blow uh, in fighting for net neutrality, and we'll talk a little bit about that in a few moments. This is Technogaze on Joy ninety four point nine. Technogaze, Technogaze here on Joy ninety four point nine, where we're covering some of the latest in technology, gadgets, consumer electronics. It is eighteen minutes past twelve right now, and. Um, if you do want to talk to us while we're here in the studio, if you want to nerd it up with us on Technogaze, you can do so by... Way to sell uh, it, Mark. <laughs> I, no, I embrace a nerd term. I think I, I love being a nerd. I'm proud of being a nerd, in fact. As if, all you'd like to, if you'd like to nerd it up with Mark, you can hit us up at Twitter. Or at, we have a Twitter account. It's Technogaze. That's the most that's, nerdy way of, I know, of communicating. Look, I'm embracing it, Mark. I'm owning the term, okay? You, you can reach us on Twitter at Technogaze. That's T-E-C-H-N-O-G-A-Z-E. And I really hope that I spelled that correctly because I'm not going to go back and do it again. You can also email us on air at joy.org.au and you can SMS us at 0427-JOY949. Indeed. And there's also the telephone. How oh, old-fashioned that? Telephone. Oh, that's that thing in my pocket. Can I make phone calls on that yeah, as well? The well telephony you, machine. Yeah. If you call 1300-JOY949, you can speak to Mushin and leave a message for us. Thank you, Mushin, for being there as our support, as he has done for quite some time now. He's yes. our rock. He is, Yeah, actually. I think so. Um, net neutrality. 
Speaking of rocks. Uh, <laughs> what, hide is, is that a segue? I don't think that is even oh, a segue. Sort of is. It's going to go down like a rock. Uh, all right. So uh, okay. the FCC lost a, uh, lost a lawsuit against Verizon. Actually, I believe Verizon brought the lawsuit against the FCC many, many years ago in the States this week, effectively killing, uh, according to internet punditry at least, uh, net neutrality in the US. What is net neutrality? I'm very glad you asked, Michael. It's <laughs> not in the run sheet at all for people to ask that question. Please call me Dorothy. Uh, are you someone's friend? Uh, so, Dixer, you... apparently, yes. <laughs> well, I think we've, we've, we've gone to several levels down the conversational stack now. As well. uh, pop it back up. Yeah, cool, let's pop back up. Uh, so net neutrality is the idea that uh, your internet connection should effectively be a dumb pipe or something that data flows through with no preference for or against that data based on its source. Mm. So a good example of uh, the, the concept of net neutrality is to imagine that your internet provider decides to slow down traffic that's coming from YouTube, but speed up traffic coming from, say, QuickFlix. Why would that happen? Uh, and, you know, what happens? Suddenly, YouTube videos take even longer than they already do to buffer. Um, maybe that's, you know, this might actually explain what happens every time you want to watch a video on Vine. But uh, why would that happen? Maybe the ISP owns part of QuickFlix and they want people using QuickFlix instead of YouTube because they make more money that way. Yeah, so there's this idea, I guess, of, of the company that uh, offers you the broadband service that they might want to push their consumers down a certain path for their own commercial benefit or their own commercial reasons, whether that be because they own the content providers. Yeah. Or it could be that they just have a, a deal with the content providers, perhaps. Yeah, there might, might just be money changing hands. It may not necessarily be an ownership stake. Um, so that's actually what's happened in the landscape of the US broadband and telecommunications industry. Mm. The largest ISPs in the country also own broadcasters and content providers. So, mm. for example, there's an ISP called Comcast in the States. They own the broadcaster channel NBC, which I'm sure lots of people have heard from. And so... Comcast might decide to stop their um, broadband subscribers from viewing CBS content purely because um, it's competing content to their own. And so, uh, I mean, if you were to bring this back home here, uh, it's like saying that, um, you know, for, you know, just pick an example at random, you know, internode customers might not be able to access Google, but they can use Bing instead. Right. But, and so it's taking that, it's, cho that freedom of choice away from you. It's not so much about necessarily um, preventing access but more so limiting or slowing down access, right? It's well, it could go, it could go each way. Right. Uh, I mean, so, uh, so, there's, so there's access and there's restriction. Right. And so you can give your customers access to something in preference to something else, mm. and you can also restrict your customers' access to competing services if you don't want them. Sure. Now, in the US, the situation is very different to Australia because most of the internet is delivered by um, cable companies who are providing cable TV. Mm. And because it's cable, you usually have very little choice, if any choice, over who you can get your internet service from. Mm. That's We're right. Mo mo in the US, most most areas are only covered by one cable provider, and you've got if you've got if you want internet access via cable, you don't have a choice. You have to go with that company that services your apartment. And I don't think there's a lot of ADSL there. Um, I think you're right. I don't think there is a lot of ADSL. Um, I'm not not really sure why. I'm not terribly familiar with that. I suspect because cable is so prevalent there compared to, probably right. to here in Australia and there's the, you know, the geographical sort of aspects of that. And, and cable kind of became entrenched in the US much earlier than particularly Australia. Oh, yeah, years I mean, earlier. Years, yes, years. Much, yeah. And there was sort of learnings from um, that market that stopped 
um, you know, us doing the same thing here. At least there was a comp- competition sort of of Optus and uh, Telecom at the time. Or, no, Big Pond. No, wait, what were they called? Foxtel. <laughs> One of those <laughs> companies. Optus Vision versus yeah. Foxtel, if you remember. Thank you. Right, and then well, there's Star as well. There's, oh, yes. There's other cable providers as well. And there was a sort of a, a purpose behind the Australian... Um, you know, implementation of cable or, or, or pay TV, in fact. But at the same time, like, the market was quite different as well, that um, uh, free-to-air TV was very much a popular service yeah, and so, still yeah. is today. We, we still have very strong free-to-air uh, networks in Australia, and I think it's only in the last few years that we've really seen cable uh, cable channels in Australia really pop up and really bring it to the free to air, uh, mm. really bring it to the free to air channels on a on a content level. Yeah, but it's it, it's worth thinking about what has actually happened this week in the uh, the lawsuit in oh, the yes. US as well because yes. the FCC has been arguing for net neutrality, saying that these providers don't have the right to slow down or speed up uh, data based on its origin. Um, and the, the, their main argument has been against Verizon, who I believe brought the lawsuit against them. Verizon is one of the country's biggest mobile and broadband carriers, and they actually argued that... One, one of the arguments that they made was that net neutrality infringed on their freedom because it forced them to do business in a particular way. Mm. And so that, that feels it like a forced bit of us a to not do deals in the way that we want to do deals to prevent our consumers from doing stuff that they want to do. Yep. That's and really what it comes down to. But what, 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 it, it, this is such a, I don't know, a reflection of the US at the moment, and it's starting to filter into arguments here in Australia as well. It is, you yeah. are infringing on my rights by not by preventing me from infringing on your rights. <laughs> it's kind of anyway. You're infringing but, on my God-given right to infringe on your rights. Yes, <laughs> my rights God-given, yours isn't. <laughs> I was going to ask, what's the competition law in the US compared to Australia? Because the ACCC here is relatively strong. Mm. I think, yeah, that, I think that's true, and I think that's actually one of the reasons why um, a lot of the a lot of the measures that we're seeing happen in the US, and especially in a non-net neutrality uh, embracing United States, I think that's why we don't see a lot of those policies happening here. But it it is interesting to see the results. So the possible results of what can happen in the ISP landscape in the US, uh, some of them we have had here for quite a while but we don't tend to regard them with as much suspicion mm. as, as they are in the US. Mm. Um, what, what was really interesting out of, the, out of the court case is that the court said that it was actually convinced that the FCC was correct, um, that they, they had the correct argument and that um, you know, the internet should function the way that the FCC uh, said, but they'd erred in their classification of ISPs and the cable carriers back in 2002, and so they can't actually regulate them. Right, so, so, so the FCC has to reclassify them if they want to actually pass their net neutrality regis- legislation. So they're basing this on inf- uh, this classification system that the FCC implemented back in 2002, 12 years ago, mm-hmm. and it's only today. Like, this is 12 years is a lifetime in internet terms, right? Yeah, it I mean, is. Uh, and so, th- like, this is not a new court case either. This yeah. court case has been going for quite a while. And it, so. Um, I was listening to I was listening to some tech podcasts and someone made the point that the case has been in the courts for so long that the explanatory graphics that were used in the courtroom describing um, you know net neutrality include MySpace. <laughs> My what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's how long this this case has been argued for, and Verizon has finally won it. And so, yeah. so the, there's a there's been a few movements in this in this direction in the last month. Uh, AT&T, another US carrier, introduced a concept called sponsored data a couple of weeks ago where 
AT&T could charge the provider of content, for mm. example, you, Google for YouTube, uh, for providing their data to you, possibly at no charge to you. So it's like you get you get to watch YouTube for free because Google pays AT&T for your YouTube data. And I have heard similar concepts here in Australia, which you were alluding to before, around, say, um, a public broadcaster's content uh, on a yeah. thing called iView. Sure, but that, might th- well that's be, a little bit different, though. Might be free to me, but there's yeah. no no... Like the ABC definitely aren't paying my internet provider to, to for that privilege. It might explain their budget, but yeah. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know if your internet provider charges more than eight cents a day for this content mm. or not. But the, so, so AT&T is possibly collecting money twice for this data because they might be charging you for the data that you're, provi- that you're using mm. and charging Google for providing the data to you. Mm. And so AT&T could just be sitting in the middle just gobbling up data everywhere for everyone using the internet and getting paid twice for the same packet. Yeah. And so we have this in Australia, as you said, with unmeted content, but the way that it's been presented to Australian customers has always been uh, of, a, of a network architecture perspective. Yes. So yes. it was simply a fluke that the ABC and IINet would have servers on the same interconnection and they could tr- pass data freely between them. Mm. So IINet would make a big thing about not charging you for iView data. Yeah. And for the ISP in that situation, it's just commercially possible to mm. offer that for free because the literally the data going from ABC to Ironet is free as opposed to it going to Internode for a price. Internode and Ironet are the actually, same Actually, they company. are now the same company. But <laughs> and this, this might actually be why I, don't, I believe iView is no longer unmeted on yes. Ironet and that, that might be why as they merged their uh, companies together, maybe their network infrastructure changed. Mm. And there were, yeah. there were definitely when, I, I remember when the you know, internet was sort of gaining ground here in Australia, there were certain um, backbones that were being developed. I think what was it called, VixNet or something like that, where you know the, the ISPs are connected to this, and there are lots and lots yeah, of small uh, think, ones back I think in the day. Pipe is uh, one of the big ones in Australia. Right. Uh, it's a, a yeah. It's an internet interconnect with all the ISPs, where all the ISPs would put servers in the same data center so that they could pass data freely between each other. Mm. And that's great for it's great for ISPs in Australia to pass data between each other. But you know, when most people are getting data from the states, it's really not really that much of a help. Yeah, that's yeah. and that's that was the thing, right? You'd be able to connect to a game server that might have been at the other uh, local ISP, but whether you could actually get the content you really wanted yeah. for free is a different thing. But so going back to the US, so I mean, um, they have didn't gone down this path now where it's basically allowed for internet providers to to start you know being biased over one content provider over the other. What will that mean for content provision in the in the future? I mean, when you start thinking about technology that they might implement here, there might be caching mechanisms in there, so it may not be any more or less expensive for YouTube traffic to be delivered to you because they've caged it anyway or there's some mm. sort of you know broadcast mechanism or something that they've introduced, they still might count the data going well, to each individual consumer. Well, I'm pretty and sure that, that may, would be what's happening at the moment. Well, yeah, and, 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 and that then flows on to how the agreement is set up with the content provider as well. So uh, it's all yeah. about like bits that aren't actually flowing around. It's m- more just numbers of people apparently consuming stuff so like the, the internet has become wall street yeah well yeah. <laughs> we're just moving zeros and ones between buckets no one will notice the entire thing won't collapse at all 
but the thing with net neutrality is that it doesn't. It is bits, ones, and zeros, and we don't discriminate. Mm. Whereas if you suddenly either charge more or slow down the speed, or even worse still, disrupt. So you might, as an ISP, say, well, I don't like BitTorrent traffic because it's potentially competing with my cable TV service that you're now not paying for because you're d- illegally downloading things. I will disrupt BitTorrent traffic. Then, you know, that's a very different environment that we're in. Mm. So I think that's true, and I think... If you look at if you look at what the uh, the US response to that is going to be, it's going to be a case of commercial competition. And so, if it becomes known that one one ISP is um, throttling BitTorrent traffic, customers will move away and vote with their wallets. So they say. But that's the problem with the US. You can't move away because if your cable provider is your only one and only ISP, where do you go? It's amazing what competition does, isn't it? Yeah, well, <laughs> competition isn't bad. Mm, well, for the for that particular example though, BitTorrent may well be considered bad in itself, right? BitTorrent's just a protocol. It depends what you do with it. Yes. Thank you. That needed to be said. Yes. <laughs> this is TechnoGaze here on Joy 94.9, uh, where we're trying to do justice to very in-depth topics. It is 28, 28 minutes to one here on TechnoGaze. If you want to contact us while we're in the studio, um, you can do so by texting us 0427JOY949. Uh, you can email us on air at joy.org.au. Um, you can um, you can call you can, you can you can tweet us as well. Yes, uh, you can call us so one three hundred joy nine four nine, and you can tweet us uh, at technogaze t e c h n o g a z e. Oi oi oi! It's almost Australia Day, isn't it? We'll be back with more in a few moments. Technogaze. Technogaze here on Joy 94.9. We're, we're covering some of the latest in technology. Michael has broken the studio. <laughs> we're doing some on-site repair work. It's not working. <laughs> Unfortunately, if we do get a text, I won't be alerted to it. <laughs> but um, there are others in the studio who will be alerted to it, so it's okay. So do text us in. We'll, we'll be alert but not alarmed. <laughs> what are you saying? I'm alarmed? What are you saying? It's very alarmist, Mark. <laughs> Speaking of alarmist, mm. good one there. I know. The Ukraine. Uh, so uh, Ukraine is a is an, a bit of a geography lesson let, to start let, off with. Can we load up the Wikipedia page <laughs> for the Ukraine? <laughs> it's an Eastern European country. Um, no, it's been uh, dealing with citizens protesting uh, new laws that are preventing them from covering their face uh, or setting up tents or using sound systems in uh, what was what would otherwise be a, a peaceful assembly. So uh, apparently there's um, there's protesting going on over there. And um, there's, a, there's a lot of protests and like armed clashes with police and yeah, mm. there's all sorts of things going on. So the government are, are trying to curtail that to a degree and stop people from from anonymising themselves by you know covering their faces and that sort of stuff. As many as hundred thousand people are, are actually involved in these in these protests. And uh, four days ago, a very Orwellian message was received by a bunch of these protesters reading something like... It was a text message. Yes, it was a text message. To their phone. Um, Dear subscriber, you are registered as a participant in a mass disturbance. Full stop. And that's... um, That's... (laughs) 
pretty scary to like, just all they need to do, that. All they need to do is change it to Dear Citizen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, well, we don't know how their government is run. Maybe everyone is a subscriber to their, their government. <laughs> if, you, if, you would like, if you would like your democracy, please you know, insert $10 and wait for another year or something. Yes, well... Actually, that's more like Kickstarter. Really, but yeah. A bit like paying tax. Um, now, the suggestion, of course, is the, uh, the, the Ukraine government has obtained location information of subscribers from their um, telecommunications companies there. And, and the telcos say they did not provide any such information to the government. Mm. Of course, Which, they may have just gotten it from the NSA. Or, yes, or a surveillance system similar to what has been described (laughs) as the NSA's surveillance system. And, you know, Eastern European countries, maybe they're not so aligned with the US and might not have agreements with the NSA, but at least the technology is is there and available and, and could well be implemented. I can't imagine the government doing this without the help and cooperation of the telco. Because you'd need the location information to say, here are all of these phones that are in proximity of these towers where the disturbance of the protest is taking place. Yes. And then being able to blurt out a, an SMS message to all of those. Unless they actually control the telecommunication towers and the carriers just lease them. Well, that's possible too. So, you know, Could maybe, be many maybe ways they in. really didn't need it. It depends on the, on the infrastructure and the, the way that it's set up there. But there's also, if they're um, able to get any access to any sort of network pipe between um, the phones and, say, Facebook and location services are turned on on Facebook, then perhaps, you know, they're just obtaining the, the GPS locations that way. Can I, can I say it's nice to see a mass disturbance that's not um, been caused by BlackBerry Messenger? <laughs> <laughs> what? Since when has BlackBerry Messenger that caused... Was the, that was the London riots. Oh, really? Yeah, BlackBerry Messenger was used to incite all the London riots. Oh, good to know where... Well, where at least all the rioters were communicating with BBM. There is no talk about what actual yeah. software was That's being used. It's, it's quite refreshing because this is just an old school SMS. <laughs> There's no, you know, it's like it's like ducking down a network layer protocol. You don't need, you don't need the higher levels anymore. Now, luckily, I guess, or, or if you're you know, if you're for the the protesters, you'd uh, consider this lucky that um, they weren't actually phased by this particular Orwellian message. Um, they still turned up in uh, in ski masks and the like. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's not really surprising. I've seen, I've seen I've seen videos of videos of the the police like firing shots into the crowd and then dancing afterwards. So yeah, it's right. Uh, yeah, it's uh, look, it's not a good time to be in the Ukraine either way if we make light of it. But um, yeah, it's some pretty serious stuff going on there. Yeah, there is talk of rubber bullets being fired into into crowds and, as and opposed sort of to thing. the Red Dwarf version with rubber nuclear weapons. <laughs> So, uh, so I was uh, as I was browsing Twitter yesterday. I noticed uh, I noticed that someone had come up with a screenshot from a task tracker in a uh, some soft, some web software development company mm. where they'd asked for a feature, and the developer had uh, the developer had uh, commented on the ticket saying, "This is a great idea. I'll implement it, but it won't be won't be implemented very soon because I live in the Ukraine and we're having a revolution." <laughs> right. So, well, you know, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, get your priorities right. Carry on. Yeah. <laughs> Now, I guess this is one up on, on previous um, accusations of protest supp- suppression, you know, with the likes of Egypt and so forth going on, where, um, you know, mobile networks have just been switched off over yeah. there. Yeah, they just, just yeah, shut it all down to stop people. Mm, yeah. So it's it's a different sort of way of, of I governments. I don't um, believe it you know. worked. 
what the the network's been turned off yeah. or yeah right well regardless people still want to fight yeah i suspect so you know one man's freedom fighter is another one man's terrorist just sort of put that out <laughs> yeah, it's like you are the nsa <laughs> Um, this is Techno Gaze here on Joy 94.9, where we're covering uh, the latest in technology, gadgets, and consumer electronics. Uh, should we move on to um, some lighter stuff, perhaps? Um, the human genome has... That sounds light. <laughs> <laughs> the, it's, it's, there's been services um, you know, popping up around the, the world on uh, being able to sequence your own uh, human genome, or your own genome, is that how you Your own it? genetic makeup. Yes. Thank you. For, you know, Your uh, mascara is smudged. <laughs> <laughs> For the low, low cost of how much? $5,000. Wow. Okay. But you can now get it at a bargain basement, 1000 Right. <laughs> which, which, when you think about it, it's an 80% reduction in costs. That's, I mean, that's what technology is doing for everything. You know, it's reduced, reduced the cost of everything except my mobile data. It just keeps going. <laughs> pretty soon, my mobile. Can't, my, pretty soon, for my for my four and a half gigabytes of data a month, I could sequence several people's genomes. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's 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 because it's interesting that the the genome sequencing industry, if if there is such a thing, um, you know, there's there's a couple of companies around the world that are offering services to be able to you know work out yeah. what you're predetermined to become or or. or and we've seen companies like 23andMe who've sort of had a, a slap across the wrist and probably a little bit more than that because they haven't um, followed the FDA's proper licensing. Mm. But, you know, those companies don't do a full sequencing. They do what they call identifying short genetic sequences, looking for particular diseases and seeing whether whether you're more likely to get them or not, whether you've got the genetic genetic markers for this. Right. This is a full genetic sequencing of your genome. Oh, okay. And it takes a while to do and hence it's expensive but this new um, hardware that's come out is uh, only costs about 10 million dollars right <laughs> but it is significantly cheaper than what's available today and therefore is going to reduce the cost down to about a thousand dollars and it can it's powerful enough to sequence 16 human genomes every three days which doesn't sound like a lot <laughs> <laughs> but there is a lot of data there. Three days doesn't done, sound... Have we done the math on how to break even with that? Uh, well, they were talking about 10 years plus yeah. or minus, which is still a long time, especially in when you're talking about technology, hmm. that what's going to happen in two years' time, are you going to have equipment that's going to be 50% cheaper than that? And hmm. therefore, this investment that you've made is suddenly going to be, well, you know, fairly worthless. Mm. But it is, um, it's good because what it will mean is that more and more people can afford to have their... Uh, DNA sequenced, looking for specific things. I wonder if they'll still, because I mean, Twenty Three and Me were wrapped over the knuckles for essentially making the conclusion, you know, t- taking your genome and and saying this is what you're predestined to get or whatever. Um, are they now just simply doing the sequencing? For um, interpretation later, is that is I, that sort of the the model they're turning to? I, th- I think Twenty Three and Me has suspended their program until they can figure out a deal with the FDA, right? Um, because yep. they got such a they got such a strong rap on the knuckles that it's actually forced them to stop and think about what they're doing. Yeah. Um, so they will they will make a re-entry into the market at some point, but um, I think they've they've sort of suspended their testing for now. Mm-hmm. 
Very good. Well, um, we're, well it's, uh, time is flying by. It's 16 minutes to one here on Technogaze. Um, we're covering some of the latest in tech. Uh, we've got a little bit more to, to cover before the end of the show, including Mac. The Apple Mac turned 30. Sex with glass. Sex with glass. <laughs> Why not? There has to be a sex story at least once a week, right? Sorry, are we TMZ now? <laughs> <laughs> and I think we're going gambling with Bitcoin. Oh, very good. We'll be back with more of that in a few moments. Techno Gaze here on Joy 94.9. We're talking tech. And um, a pause there. <laughs> Caught us by surprise. Um, if you if you like to text us while we're in the studio here, you can do so by texting uh, it. Texting? Yes, texting us. 0427. Joy 949. Don't text us to tell us that we're part of a mass disturbance, though. No. No. In a, in a registered way. <laughs> in a citizen way. Very scary. Um, now, big... Well, I don't know. Big for some news this week. What, for Fapples? For Fapples. For this side of the desk, anyway. <laughs> Fapple. It's two against one this week. It's I, so I, good. <laughs> now you know what it feels like. I yes. I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> so the Apple Mac oh. was introduced in 1984 on the 24th of January, no less. And uh, today, well, here uh, today's date in, here in Australia is the 25th, but over in the US right now, it is still the 24th of January. So today is the 30th anniversary of the Apple Mac. Happy birthday, Mac. Hmm. Happy birthday. So it's, it's really good that the Mac has been around for 30 years, but none of us got into it until the last five years. Well, this is it, right? We were actually talking about this before the show, and there's significance in in Apple and how they, um, you know, sort of brought the personal computer to the um, to the world uh, with the Apple IIe. In fact, or sorry, the Apple IIe, the Apple II uh, computer, not not just the IIe. I, I'm biased towards the Apple IIe because that was my <laughs> first was computer. First. Uh, do, you, do you remember using logo at school and making oh yes. making your turtle oh, I remember around, logo. absolutely trying to make patterns like make your screen look like a kaleidoscope? The problem yeah, with we're logo. actually talking about the Mac now. We're talking about the <laughs> Apple IIe. I'm sure it was available for uh, the Mac, but um, the problem with logo, just on that side note, is that I already knew how to program pretty heavily back when oh, I first I got introduced. Knew how to program. <laughs> this is, that is my story, um, and. It was a bit sort of passe. It's like, oh, a turtle moves around the screen. Yeah, what do you do? I've I've <laughs> made entire like I did I that know. years ago. Well, yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember? Anyway. Do you remember trying to figure out how to make the turtle flood fill an area of the screen? You had to like <laughs> draw over everything, turn, move one, mm. turn again, then draw over everything. Yeah. Yeah. So the Mac. Yes. 30 years. <laughs> so um, a bunch of uh, uh, Apple execs actually gave um, Computer World a bit of a, a bit of an exclusive. Um, Phil Schiller, Bud Tribble, and Craig Federghi. Hmm. I don't know how to say this. This is basically a, um, the point at which we realise we should have practised the names before the show. It's almost as bad as tennis names for the news this week. <laughs> um, uh, they they got together with Computer World and sort of did a bit of a uh, you know blow your own horn kind of thing around where Apple was at. Um, now they made mention of um, the under- underlying concept that has stuck with Mac since its inception. Um, that the design of the OS and the hardware should bend to the user, not the other way around. Which yes, is quite Jason. funny because they've gone the complete other direction with the iPhone. 
<laughs> well, the users should bend to the uh, system. Yeah. Well. <laughs> okay, now we're getting philosophical. We're, no, and this is this is an interesting interesting point because you know Apple fanboy biased mind whatever. Um, I say they've always designed it with the person in mind, with the human in mind. Sure. Yeah. And I guess uh, a lot of other phone companies have had to do the same now with uh, because the iOS is is, is out there. Um, it's yeah. It, it seems that you know they've they've come with it, come to it with a philosophy, and this is not reflected in the fact that everything is controlled, walled garden that is Apple. So you know, there's there's two sides to that, but. Mm. So look, uh, just we'll we'll just interrupt and just go to the the email that we just received. We we just said that we've only been using Max for the last five years or so, and thank you to Mark who just emailed in and said that uh, he's been there for twenty nine years, and he also added, which is sad. <laughs> but that brings up a it's good also, point. It's also awesome, so that's fine. Yeah, thirty years is a long time, and I guarantee there are heaps and heaps of people out there who don't know what the original Mac looked like. So if you go to apple.com, you yeah. can see a photo of the original Mac. And it looks so primitive compared to what we have today. I, I know what the original Mac looked like because they keep using it in Futurama. <laughs> you watch a little bit too much Futurama then perhaps. Everyone knows what the Mac looks like. <laughs> but, I mean, for its time, it needed to be designed in such a way to, to A, make it look a little bit sort of friendly compared to all the other... Oh, look, compared to, what, compared to the beige boxes that were around back then... Not even beige boxes. We're talking, you know, boxes on, you know, grey, disgusting, you know, there was nothing aesthetic about it at all. No. No, absolutely not. Not with the PC. No, it's not like the original Mac was a, you know... A, a, a <laughs> work of art. Yeah. But, sleek. <laughs> it's <laughs> not... The, the original Mac is not what the Macs are like today. It's a tiny, tiny little beige box with a tiny screen in it. Okay. But, okay. But Jason, you weren't there in 1984. I was there in well, 1984. How old Seven or eight? Yeah, okay. I was a little bit older. And know, compared to what was out there, the Mac was... You know, fantastic. You know, I craved an Apple Lisa for those people who remember a Lisa. Ah. Mm. That was like... <sighs> well, if only that one took off. That, that, that was actually slightly... Like, if you look at the Mac and the Lisa, I actually think the Mac is slightly better aesthetically than the than a Lisa. Mm. But again, subjective. Yes. There does anyway. appear to be a lot of Mac love out there because um, we've suddenly got a whole bunch of SMSs coming in. Someone, t- <laughs> someone, someone thank, thank you to whoever just SMSed and told me that I can never watch too much Futurama. Oh, that was, that was Callum. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, just, just so quickly, our, our very own Raina um, said that she wouldn't have gotten into technology at all if it wasn't for the Mac and the whole enthusiast thing around it a long time ago. And she thinks she's not alone. Hmm. Yes, there is a sort of nostalgia to to the Apple brand, which they capitalise on perhaps as well. But yes, no, happy birthday, Apple Mac. Um, You know, it's a far vastly different uh, platform than what it it was back then, but it still holds to some of the original um, components as well. Yes, absolutely. Now, have we got um, anything more? Oh, Bitcoin. One of our favourite topics. We do like to tread carefully on when when we come to Bitcoin, but this is this is a little bit lighthearted. I think some casinos are getting in on the action, right? Well, we've spoken about Bitcoin and how the uh, exchange rate between Bitcoin varies so much, and it's almost like gambling. Well, you can now gamble with Bitcoin in Vegas. <laughs> there are a couple of casinos that have started accepting it, alongside with your usual sort of payment methods to uh, to buy chips in the casino. 
Ah. So you, you can sort of you can gamble twice. Yeah, yeah that's you right. You can gamble on your currency and gamble on the slot machines. Well, if you, if you do manage to retain some money, by the time you sort of buy or sell your Bitcoin and then buy it back again, you, you, know, you might make a small fortune. Now, one of the casinos is called the Golden Gate Casino. And what's really interesting is that they really are, they are no stranger to introducing new technology. Now, what is the example of this? I, they, I, they, their claim, their claim to fame is that they were the first casino in the city. So the very first casino in the city to mm. install a telephone back in 1907. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be back in your day, wouldn't it? That was the one. Yeah, something like that. Thanks. <laughs> So just to drag us kicking and screaming back to 30 years of the Mac for a minute, yeah. we, uh, we just got an email from Adrian who pointed out that there's a lovely rainbow flag of balloons on the iMac on the Apple webpage. Oh, that's sweet. On the front page. Anyway, sorry, let's, so let's go talk about Bitcoins. Yeah. Yes. So, <laughs> no, but I mean, so Bitcoin is... is uh, there's this concept, I guess, of it being more and more widely accepted. So yeah, it's yeah. gaining legitimacy as more and more businesses start to accept it. It's, it's gaining, like, when we say more, excuse me, when we say more and more companies are starting to accept it, we're talking about shifting the uh, shifting the dial from zero to a hundred by like an increment of two. Yeah. Okay, we're coming off a low base, but it's got to start somewhere. <laughs> so if you want to launder some money through your casino, you now can. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I wish I'd known about that when I had my casino. <laughs> <laughs> oh, on that note, this is Technogaze. Well, uh, it's getting very close to the end of the show. Um, we'll be wrapping up in a few moments. Um, oh, and a final topic we'll talk about, Facebook. No, we won't. No, we're going to talk about sex. Oh, right. No, yes. No, that has nothing to do with Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Technogaze on Joy 94.9. Technogaze. Technogaze here on Joy 94.9. Almost at the end of the show. It's getting to that time. Very quickly, though, we're going to talk about two of our favourite subjects: <laughs> Google Tech Glass and sex. Still <laughs> <laughs> oh, giving us the wind up already. Uh, we we need to, but yes, no. Very quickly. So there's a there's a new app available for Google Glass, right? Yes. Now I have so, a question. So so just to, just to point this out, like the Google Google Glass is not publicly available, and the people who currently have Google Glass are called explorers. So hey, mm. seems appropriate. Yes. <laughs> now I have a general question: Is it tacky to have a mirror over your bed? Uh, it is considered. It's considered tacky and porn, porny. Right. So I don't know if porny is a word, but it is now. I don't know how you're going to sort of think about this new app through Google Glass, but basically what you can do is, you, using this app, you can see what your partner in bed sees when they're looking at you. No, no but the, so the point with this is that both participants are supposed to be wearing glass. Yes. Because you're supposed to be able to see what their glass is broadcasting yep. to you and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So, it, yeah, so... You don't get to you don't get to just see it by wearing glass. Two people have to wear glass. Yeah, both of you need to wear yeah. it, and you get to see, like you said, the participant. Now, what's really interesting are some of the uh, commands to make it work. Mm. So you can whisper gently into it and say, "Okay, Google, it's time," and it starts recording. And the best bit is how you turn it off. All you have to say is, "Okay, glass, pull out." I thought you were joking <laughs> with that. Oh no! And you this can, is, so this is why apps can't register new hot words in on iOS for like for Siri commands. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and you can also use your iPhone as a third camera if you want to get that perspective. And, of course, if you want to evaluate your performance, you can watch the video up to five hours afterwards. I can't wait for the Fitbit integration so that you can, um, you can assess, your, assess your physical performance. <laughs> we have to rhyme, why not the show, I'm afraid. You know, as much as this intelligent discussion is... <laughs> oh, okay. 
Um, as always... Mark's, Mark's broken our run of puns. I know, right? Oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, if you have um, missed any part of the show and you want to listen to the previous um, any previous episodes, you can do so by tuning in or put, sending your web browser to joy.org.au slash techgoinggaze. Coming up next is a Joy News Bulletin with Shannon and Pete Dillon with Cravings straight after that. Thank you for coming in today, Jason. You're quite welcome. It's been a been a pleasure. And uh, okay, Google Glass, time to pull out. <laughs> and thank you, Michael. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> See you later. Techno Gaze on Joy ninety four point nine. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon twenty twenty four. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.